Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Hey, everybody, are you back where you belong in your very own seat? Oh, I should probably take this mask off. This is kind of like we're the masked singers this morning. Masked pastors. That would be so fun. Like, what costume would you want us all to be wearing? Giraffe? Ooh. That's very interesting, and perhaps we need to probe that. No. Um, Yeah, anyway, that would be kind of fun, huh? My my mask is stuck in my earring right here, you guys. Um, Okay, got it. This is Vision Sunday, and I'm going to start. I'm Barbara Sanofsky. I am the pastor of Family and Soul Care. That is my title here at Long Beach Christian Fellowship. Um, As you can tell, I'm the senior. No, I'm not the senior (laughs) pastor. I'm just senior. Um, Yeah, so I guess I want to share a little bit about why we do Vision Sunday. It didn't begin when the church began, because the church began in 1983. But it began when our founding pastor um, was done and needed to go. And he turned the ministry over to uh, Brandon Cook, who at the time was our college pastor. And then Brandon, his wife Rebecca, was our creative arts lead. And myself, we kind of like took the reins and started running. And uh, the church was handed over to us in August of 2009. And that next January, we had a real sense that we really wanted to have um, a Sunday where we communicated, like, our thoughts for the coming year, what we felt like the Holy Spirit was up to in the life of our community, in our church. And so that was our very first Vision Sunday. And Brandon was um, and is an amazing man who um, is a wordsmith, and he listens to God beautifully. And so sometimes we would have T-shirts And sometimes there would be one word, and um, other times it would be a sentence or a scripture. But we always uh, shared that year after year after year. And then, of course, COVID got in the way of everything. (laughs) And Brandon, right before COVID, had already made a decision that he wasn't going to be pastoring anymore. So last year we didn't really do a Vision Sunday, even though we kind of did. We did one through Zoom. But it probably felt different, and it was really important for the three of us as we, um, in this past year, have come together as a lead team um, to have Vision Sunday. And that's kind of like the history of what we're going to give you. Now, we're not going to say that on March the 21st, we're all going to eat pie together at Polly's. It's not that kind of vision. But it's kind of what we are sensing What we are going to share with you is what we're sensing the Holy Spirit is wanting from this community in this season. And then we will correct as we hear more from God, and we will let you know when we correct. So good? Is that pretty clear? Is there anything else you're wanting me to say there? Okay, sounds good. You know, as we um, 
I have started as a co-pastor team. Some of you might not be aware, and so if I can explain it um, real briefly. Um, you know, the three of us here um, are uh, co-pastors. Um, that means that we're pretty much um, equal in terms of our um, authority. Uh, we each carry different areas of responsibility, but there's so much interaction and so much um, intersection between what we do. And one of the things I love about this um, way of doing leadership here at LBCF is that because I came from a church where I was pretty much the lead pastor, you know, for Southern Baptist Church for over 15, 16 years. And, um, you know, as, as, you know, we were going through that church, I was trying my best to try to make it more plural, but um, it, for one reason or another, it just wasn't happening. And, you know, when you have that CEO-type model of leadership, you, um, the church begins to um, inherit the, the flaws, the passions, and everything of that one particular pastor. And it almost becomes like this, like, you know, celebrity, right, um, church model where, you know, especially if the pastor is a great speaker or is charismatic or whatever, that pastor calls the shots. And everyone just kind of follows suit. Um, this is not the way LBCF is. Uh, we don't have a celebrity pastor. We don't have a CEO. Uh, we do have Barbara. <laughs> Uh, but Barbara, for me, models um, what uh, servant leadership looks like. Um, she is so much always trying to push people to the front. And this is what, you know, we want to do as a church. Um, we don't ever want to hear people saying we are of Barbara, we are of Ryan, we are of Danny. Uh, because, you know, as the scripture says, we, we follow Jesus. And so together, we are doing the best we can to help the church model what that is so that none of us, like, is elevated, but we all decrease so that Christ might increase in our um, gathering. But it's not just here in this level, right? It's also the speaking team. Uh, if if you, you know this, we're not like a lot of churches where you have one or maybe two people speak every Sunday. We have, like, a plurality of teachers and that's important for us. Why? Because we all have different bents. We come from different theological, denominational, um, even gender perspectives, right? We are coming from different experiences. And so whenever you have um, just one person teaching it, it limits um, the church's ability to nuance just how the image of God is being portrayed through the life of the church because we're just hearing it funneled through one person. We might all have our favorite teachers, but that's not what we want to emphasize. We want to say, let's pay attention to each and every one. Not only to the teachers, but to one another. Because at, at LBCF, we believe in this priesthood of believers that we all have access. That each person is important. And that together, we make up the church. Not one person. Together, we make up the church. And so even as we lay out just the different ministries that are going on, we will actively try to make it as plural as possible, the leadership. We will say to each of you that, you know, we aren't the people that is leading. I mean, that is like the only one saying, hey, we should do this and that. We want to pay attention to you. And so if God is speaking to you and you feel like God is impressing on you something, that's as important as any of us saying that and, you know, and saying, hey, we should go in this direction. 
as a leadership team, uh, whether it's the elders, whether it's the pastors, whether it's the teachers or any of the other ministry leaders, we want to be able to humble ourselves and say, let's get close to the ground. Let's pay attention to what God is doing in the community. And maybe God is doing something. So let's, let's get together. Let's pray. Let's fast. And let's seek God together. And that's kind of how we're flattening this leadership model, which we think is, is really amazing um, and really valuable in, in just the way we move forward this year. Yeah, so that is, um, by the way, my name's Ryan, and I'm one of the three pastors, and my role is, is teaching, and it's been great. But one of the things as we met together to talk about what we wanted the vision to be. Um, the blessing, I think, of having three of us here is that Danny is so insistent and so um, relentless about let's look at what is actually happening in our community, that we're not just creating some arbitrary vision that doesn't actually get birthed out of what is going on in real time. And then Barb is very anchored in the... In the Additions and very anchored in also the future that she's she's very beautifully looking at these different angles of how does the vision that we have stay connected to this eternal God and so as we met and we kind of brought those perspectives into play my bent is more of the narrative moving forward and how do we understand what it means to read the Bible now and apply it now and what does it look like in our community and so when we were meeting there were so many angles of like we want our vision to be very grounded and very tangible so it has to be something that is practicable something that can be that we can look and say what are we doing and how are we posturing our hearts and how are we humbling ourselves and so as we met um, over a very long and beautiful breakfast at the country club, which is a great place to come up with any ideas. Uh, no membership required. Yeah, you can, you can all go there. It's not just for very celebrity pastor types. Um, but we were talking, and what came up for us was the Micah 6-8. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. And as we were talking about how we feel like that embodies both an external movement and an internal posture, that that's what we would love to see happen in 2022, that this is not meant to be some sort of comprehensive list of what we should be doing or what each of you might be called to in this year, but that as a community, when we look back and we're in January 2023, would we maybe have done a bit more justice loved mercy a bit better, walked a little more humbly. And that as we seek to do that, that if we can just make those steps in 2022, we really think that a lot of the things that actually got birthed in 2021 led us to that point of saying, like, this is actually the path that we're headed in already. This is not some turning the ship. This is sort of putting words to things that were already taking place. And so that was really encouraging to to come to that point, um, and we know also, and it's been said, that one of the things that we are adamant about is that as the Holy Spirit works through each of you, that you bringing that to the table has as much authority to, to correct this ship 
to keep us accountable, that we are always trying to put our ear to the floor and say, what is it that the Holy Spirit is up to in our community now? And the more feedback that we have from our community, the more capable we are of actually making those corrective steps. Because if we just try to push forward in some arbitrary vision that is not connected to what is actually happening, the actual needs, the actual grief, the actual celebration, all of the things that are actually being birthed in our community, um, then it feels really disconnected. And I've been a part of churches for a long time where the vision statements are, are very nice and they're very pretty and they're very interesting. But very often as time moves forward throughout the year, the reality is we have to pivot in order to pay attention and respond to Jesus Christ both in our community, in our city, in the world, our ability to respond to those realities are actually the one of the higher priorities that we have in this upcoming year. And so we want to talk through each of those pieces, how that will flesh out, how we uh, see that sort of happening now and where that will impact our roles individually. Yeah, I just want to uh, add something briefly that I probably should have shared when I started off, which is that we put the vision together as a lead pastoral team, but then we... Um, introduce that vision that we have to the elders. And then the elders, um, they look at that and they pray over it and then they agree. They say, yes, this is the way that we believe this community is meant to go forward in this year. And I loved what Ryan was saying. We're not looking to, we're not looking to be a zigzag church. Well, we're off in this direction in 2000, you know, and this other direction in 2021 and this other one in 2030. No, we feel that the Holy Spirit has given us a course, and it, that course was given to us a long, long time ago, and that we just want to continue the journey to the best of our ability, taking that vision um, up again and again and again and again with all the words that God would give us to say towards it. Amen. And I love that because it shows accountability. Um, you know, um, we are accountable to one another. This pastoral team, we're accountable to the elders. Um, we're, we're, they're constantly praying over us and watching over us. Uh, we're accountable to the church. Uh, we're, we're always wanting to listen to when there's a certain Sunday where, oh, I was a little bothered by what you said. We want to hear from you because we're not perfect. We want to be corrected. And, and that's important for us because um, in order, especially for those of us who hold some power in the church, um, if we're not paying attention to the most vulnerable people in our community, then there's a danger of uh, becoming oppressive. And that's exactly what we don't want to be. You know, our, our, our vision verse is found in Micah 6, 8. And if, you're, if some of you were here or heard online, you know, the message I gave during Advent Sunday... Um, I shared a little bit about, um, you know, the birth narrative and how that was important and foreshadowing what was to come. And so in the birth narrative, there was Mary, you know, the mother of Jesus, um, um, exclaiming that God was looking after people like her, people that were poor, that were disenfranchised. And that birth narrative was a foreshadowing of G what Jesus would ultimately do. And then we find in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus, you know, came out and said, you know, I, I, you know, I've come to bring liberation to the oppressed. I've come so that uh, people who are sick or blind might be able to see. I've come, you know, to, 
to help um, uh, bring liberation to those in prison. And Jesus became the embodiment of all of that. But as we look at Luke 4 and, you know, the, the birth narrative that Mary proclaimed, it was actually grounded in so much of what the Old Testament had to say, especially in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And that's our verse. It says, um, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And, and this is the thing that God requires of us, that we would um, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. But if you take a step back from this, like, one particular verse that is probably very familiar to most of us, you know, this, this verse is in the context of the whole book of Micah, which is seven chapters long. And Micah is, like, you know, pretty much saying, um, you guys, you came out of Egypt. I rescued you. But now you've become rich and you've forgotten the poor. You look at Micah, this theme is repeated three times over. I mean, it's, 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 it's profound that, you know, it begins in chapter 1 and 2, then 3 through 5, then 6 and 7. That same pattern is repeated over and over that you've messed up. Why? Because you, you've forgotten what it means to be just. You've forgotten what it means to be liberated from Egypt. Now think about that. Israel was a, a, a group of people that God paid attention to their cries because they were in bondage in Egypt. And God like brought them through the Red Sea you know, to the Promised Land and God was blessing them. But through time, the oppressed had become oppressors. And, and that's a scary thing. Because any of us, you know, who have been liberated by God, who have experienced salvation, can have the tendency to oppress other people. And this is the warning of Micah. He's saying, you know, those of you who are flourishing, those of you who are, who, um, are rich, those of you who have power and ability, we all have the tendency to get to a place that we are no longer concerned about vulnerable people. And that's why it's important for us to pay attention, to realize, to acknowledge where we came from. Because if we don't, we ourselves will become, you know, the new Egypt. We will become oppressive to people. And so when Eileen talked about how, you know, we are like trying to help people see the image of God in each person. You know, I, I love the illustration that, that she um, shared because it's so powerful. And as we pay attention to the scriptures, keep in mind that the Imago Dei, that the image of God is present in every single person, right? Every person is, is important and valued by God. But what Micah is trying to say is that not every person is seen as important. And there are actually segments in the community, large segments of the population, that are disenfranchised and more vulnerable than other people. And that's why Mary, you know, pronounced in the Magnificat that God pays attention to someone like me. That's why Jesus says, I'm going after, you know, the, I'm leaving the 99 and going after the one. The 99 are valuable. The 99 are created in the image of God. 
But the one person that Jesus was going after was the one that felt like they were forgotten. And so that's why as a church, as your community pastor, um, I want us to lean into the heart of God that is saying, let's pay attention. Keep our ears close to the ground. Because there are people that are needing to experience liberation like, like the story of Nishal. I think that's what his name is, <laughs> Nishal. Um, you know, who didn't feel like he had anything to contribute. And I know, like myself, um, I'm a Filipino born in the Philippines. I grew up, you know, in a, in a very Filipino home, um, moved here in the U.S. when I was four. And even when I became a Christian, I was um, impacted by, you know, a lot of teachers and stuff. Um, I went to a seminary in, in, in La Mirada, Talbot Seminary. Um, I was involved in Filipino churches. And I remember the first time I planted a church back in 1998. Um, you know, I, I went, moved away from a Filipino church. And then lo and behold, on my first Sunday, I noticed I wasn't in a Filipino church anymore. It was a majority of people who were um, white. And I was all of a sudden shell-shocked because I had never pastored a non-Filipino church. I didn't know any Filipino that ever pastored a non-Filipino church. And I remember just like wondering, God, can I do this? I've never seen any examples of this. I've never seen it happen. I was raised always looking up to... Um, white Americans. My mom would pinch me on the nose growing up and try and make my nose more, more Americanized. She would tell me not to play in the sun because I would get darker and not have fair complexion. If you're not Filipino or grew up in a culture that, that experiences all that, I'll tell you something. It, it's very like, it, it makes you play with your head and feel like you have nothing to contribute to society, to other people. But in my own story of liberation, like Nishal's story of liberation, I didn't feel like I had anything to give. And so I look at each of you, and some of you I've gotten to know your stories, and I know that a lot of you like feel like there are some things that you grew up with that are making you feel small. But the story, God's story of hope, of restorative justice, is that God wants to pay attention to each of us who are experiencing some sort of oppression that is bringing the glass ceiling lower and lower, and he wants to shatter it. Why? Because we all have something to contribute. Each of us is valuable. Each of us is important. This is the story of Micah. God says, act justly. Why? Because there are the poor. And it's not just economic poverty, right? It's, it's every type of poverty there, there might be. And so let's pay attention. And as we move through this, this season, and I'm taking, sorry, I'm taking longer than I had planned. It's Eileen's fault. She <laughs> shared her story. I'm kidding, Eileen. Um, but, you know, as we move on this year, you know, we, this past year, I was thinking about all the times I was up front and we had been sharing precious lambs and vulnerable communities among, like, um, children who are, 
who don't have equal access to things. And I love how the church has been coming alongside Foster All. And these are all things that have sprouted up, that have sprouted up because of people in the church that have, have felt that God is moving. And then there were other things happening, right? And the race conversation, um, there were other things happening with the LGBTQ people who have like, felt like they couldn't be a part of church community. There are other things happening, you know, in, in so many um, other places of grief. Um, and we want to pay attention to that. And so, you know, we decided to form a, a new umbrella um, to emphasize that. It's, it's a Mago Day, and it's, the, it's a play on the word day, D-E-I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. In Mago Day, we are wanting... We are wanting to pay attention to the image of God in every person, especially those who have been disenfranchised. And we'll hear more of that next week. But, you know, all these, like, ministries of justice, we are wanting to move forward even more intentionally this year that God would enlarge our vision. The way Micah has told us, the way Mary, you know, exclaimed, and the way Jesus manifested it in his presence on earth. Danny, thank you. So beautiful. Um, gosh. Uh, as you all know, I'm also an immigrant, but I'm an immigrant that has a white face. I came to America from Germany when I was seven years old, and I also had to assimilate. I did not speak the language, and I had all the wrong clothes, you guys. <laughs> and kids made fun of me at school, and I ate all the wrong food, too, that I brought to lunch and ate alone. And um, it was a process, but the difference is that Nobody pinched my nose, and my sister pinched my arm, but that was a whole other thing. Um, but I, I did, I did, at a certain point, I looked, I looked right, and so I could pretend that I was right, but there was always this part of my heart that felt like I was not right um, until I had that encounter with Jesus, <laughs> until, until I um, met the man who looked deep into my black heart and said, you are my beloved. And um, as the sole care pastor of LBCF, that is the journey that God wants to take me on with each and every one of you. Um, how many of you have seen Les Miserables or read the book? Or There's that amazing part in Les Mis where there is a priest who takes in Jean Valjean when he is running uh, from his incarceration. And he offers him mercy. But what does Jean Valjean do with that mercy that is offered to him? He betrays it, and he steals from the priest his silver. And as he's running away, the priest runs after him, and he says to him, yes, that belongs to you, but wait, you forgot the candlesticks. Because that priest loved mercy. And that is what we're called to in that particular section of Micah, we're not called to do mercy. We're called to love it. Mercy is this really crazy word because it's compassion, but it's so much more. It's forgiveness, but it's so much more. It's grace extended, but it's so much more. It's nebulous. It's withholding punishment when punishment is warranted. The story of my conversion is that I took communion 
from a priest at an Episcopal altar rail. And when he put the bread into my mouth and he gave me the cup of wine to drink, he looked at my soul. And he didn't see what was really there. And he did not punish me. He did not withhold, he did not withhold the body and blood of Jesus Christ. He gave it to me with love. And that is what we are called to as community. You know, family is only family when we're willing to be for one another. And one person in a family can change everything. And that is what we're about here at LBCF. We are a family. We, we jump you in. <laughs> All you have to do is say, yes, I want to be a part, and you're in. <laughs> there are no requirements. There are no real rules. In fact, um, I love talking to people that I don't agree with because that is an opportunity for me to learn, and it's also an opportunity for me to love mercy again. And I forget that all the time, by the way, because I'm a human being who sometimes, you know, finds darkness more acceptable than light. And yet in the midst of that, I'm so clearly aware that that's what God has called this community to. We are a group of people who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, choose to love mercy. And we choose that when we look into the eyes of our sisters and our brothers, we choose to see the belovedness, the imago Dei, that lives there. And then we get to reveal that to one another. And then we get to give a, each other candlesticks. Metaphorically and real, we get to give each other candlesticks. So w one of the things that we talk about a lot is how do we provide, how do pr we provide on-ramps, uh, places for, we, you know, this has been the craziest two years um, if you guys got, if you guys contributed any money at all, you got a letter from the pastors. And this has just been a crazy year of change. And change hurts. Change is painful. Change is difficult. And even when the change is good, it hurts. And we, we want to be salve for one another. That's part of what it means to love mercy. We want to hear what hurts you. We want to um, offer possibilities, and um, we have resources. And, we, and, and part of the change is that we have so many new faces, which is so wonderful. And we've lost people, which is so hard. <laughs> and in the midst of all of that, um, you know, how do we connect again? How do we button up into the overcoat and become LBCF family again? Uh, and uh, we've already talked about that midweek Bible study I really want to invite you to attend that. And uh, then we have a women's ministry that does Frenzy, which is just a fun time for any female person who considers themselves female to come and spend time together. Um, just getting to know one another, usually over food, and always with love. Um, and then we're doing something that we haven't done in a while. We're going to have a men's breakfast, you guys. Um, so if you are male, yeah, on, uh, I believe it's Saturday, the 12th of February, there's already several men who are coming, and they're going to the same country club that gave us our vision for the year. It's called 
Lakewood Country Club, and it's an open to everyone place. And their breakfast is really good, and it's outside, you guys. So that morning at 8:30, you're going to be hearing more about that. Um, let me let me just go back to Micah. Um, exactly what Pastor Danny just shared. This is what God requires of His men and His women, of His people, of His sisters, His children, His brothers his fathers, his uncles, his aunts, his grandmas. He requires this from all of us. And that requires that we take a good look at ourselves always over and over and we go, okay, how is it going? What am I doing justice? How am I doing justice? How am I loving mercy? Or am I begrudging mercy? Who am I in the eyes of you, God? who sees me and loves me crazily. Yeah, that's, I think, what I have to say until I take the mic away from one of you guys and say something else. Um, James, can I get the slides, um, the ones? So I want to run through not that's all of these. That's why he's the teaching pastor. Yeah, not all of these points I want to talk through right now. We will make these available to all of us to look through so that all of you can see um, how we really want to see this fleshed out in our community and also just ask all of you to hold us to it. Hold us to it, but hold each other to it because the reality is that this is something that we walk out in community. This is not something that three people just hammer everybody with each week because we know our capacity to fail in each of these points and knowing that as a community, we long to be held up to. We, we also need prayer. We also need support. Um, and so there are ways that we have seen this be birthed in our community that we want to uh, point everyone to. So you don't have to take pictures of these now. Um, just know that these are not just arbitrary points because I know how much Micah 6, 8, even if you've never been in a church before, you might have seen it on somebody's kitchen wall. Like it's, it's, it's used in many branded places. And the danger of that um, as the teaching pastor is that if we don't kind of step back and look at what was happening in Micah, as Danny just taught us, is like, this was a, a prophetic critique of a church that had lost the vision. This, is, this was a prophetic critique of people who had forgotten how to do justice, who had learned to love something other than mercy and were, who were very prideful. And so when we look at how do we correct that, um, we, want, we know that on the other side of this is life, that on the other side of walking these things out is life to the full. And so as we want to, um, we have a lot of ways to do justice. Let's go to the next one. I, I also just, I spent time on these slides, and I'm really proud. And I think they're very pretty, and I'm committed to all of you looking at them. And um, this, is, this is my last hurrah of not walking humbly. Is, I'm just going to hold the mic. So love mercy, and then let's go to the next one. Walk humbly. And at the way that this plays out for my role is that uh, as a teaching pastor, I'm very aware of how, of how in many people's church experiences, the person who's teaching each week does become the 
celebrity and the, and everything leads up to these sermon and we've talked about how do we allow for other spaces in our community to hold as much prominence as much importance where we know that people can be absolutely transformed and get what they need that encounter with the holy spirit from worship or prayer or service or all of these other ways that we have used those pieces to sort of prop up the sermon piece we want to tear that down because I actually think that that's old church that's old thinking and I think moving forward we know that there are transformative ways not just in how you participate in a church leadership but how do you how do you greet people at the door knowing that that may be the transformative space when somebody comes in who hasn't been seen all week somebody looks him in the eye and says hey welcome what how can I help you that is as transformative an opportunity. And so the part of walking humbly means that there's going to be some changing of shapes and how we platform certain pieces of our gathering. We really want to do that. Um, and to and my hope is to also take us through um, a, a few sermon series, and that's the next slide, and I will provide this for everybody as well um, so that you can all see what the road map is of what I would like to teach about um, and what the teaching team would like to take on this year. Um, and so we've got teaching on parables, and then uh, in Lent we will be teaching through the actual events of Holy Week, and then after that we'll be looking at the book of Nehemiah and how do we suffer how do we learn to suffer well? And that is a book that is often um, ignored by many people, and I think it provides us a lot of healthy uh, e examples of what it means to be a faithful person of Jesus and how do we suffer well without running away from that. And then each person on the teaching team will have a s sermon that they will present, something that they are passionate about. And so um, it's going to be kind of teacher's choice. And then from there, I'm leaving it open because I, I have a lot of things that I'm curious about that I'm interested in, but I want to see and sort of feel from the community what all of you would like to hear about um, in that space. Um, we have ideas, but I'm leaving that to be determined. And so walking humbly also means that as a staff, we are, we are uh, going through the book Be the Bridge, and it is a book about how do we actually posture ourselves to walk through the race conversation in a way that um, that takes us from one point to the next. How do we actually bridge that rather than standing on opposing sides, which often turns into people lobbing opinions over a fence without trying to hear the other? There are there is a need to bridge that gap. And so Be the Bridge is a book that we are going through as a staff. Um, and so these trainings that, ought, that, that put us in a position of we have to be constant learners. We have to be always looking at what, what exists within us that needs to be submitted to the waters of baptism all the time. And how do we allow ourselves as leadership to do that? Um, let's go back to the Walk Humbly slide, please. And so there are this is the kind of talking point that I am taking on. And so, um, yeah, there is also going to be um, creating spaces where we get feedback from the community, where we actually open the doors and we have a time where we say we have the ability. We are at a size right now where we can look each other in the eye and say, like, how's this going for 
you. Talk to us. Talk to me. Rather than just telling everybody each week, you can send an email or a text, which is always true, and we always read them, and we take them seriously, and we talk about the feedback that we get. But actually having a community time where we say, like, hey, there may be people here where when you express, I'm feeling pain here, a person who might not have been willing to speak up about that feels empowered and says, me too. I once heard that the most powerful theology you can imagine is me too theology, where a person says, you feel that? Me too. You've experienced that? Me too. You have a concern about that? Me too. When you do that, the amount that that builds a a sense of community with each other is, is valuable, and we are making space for that, and so that is something we want to see in 2022. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully the teaching space sort of embodies that as well, that we continue to take the scriptures seriously. I'm very passionate about narrative theology, which is why I'm grateful that I get to um, pr- present a teaching series on on the parables, and we'll be starting that uh, soon. And so, yeah, that's that sort of rounds out the the three talking points, the three do justice Um, love, mercy, walk humbly, that all of those are actually practical steps that we want to posture ourselves, things that we want to do as a community, and ways that we are holding ourselves accountable to make sure that we are always under the authority of Jesus as he works through not just the three of us, but as as it shows up in your life to our community. Who's next? (laughs) I think... Yeah, we, um, we really do want to hear from you. Uh, and we say that, and we can, we can say it, and we can say it, and we can request, please let us hear from you. But you guys have to talk to us. So you can always email the three of us at leadteam at lbcf.org. We all three get that particular email. So you can email us there. Uh, there is that very popular email called lbcf at lbcf.org that um, even it goes to our offices, but they, it gets sent to where it needs to go. So that's a good place also. Then you can just talk to us on a Sunday. You can grab us and say, hey, I've been meaning to, to ask this, or I've been meaning to share that, or I really hate the vision you have for 2022, and I, I, w- I want to talk about that with you, or why do you guys think that's a good idea? Really, we, we are very, very wanting to have those conversations, and um, I loved everything that was said here today. I especially loved the part when Danny talked about how the between the three of us, you know, you guys actually get three people arguing a conversation and coming to a conclusion between the three of us, which means that some have to give a little and some have to get a little, and, and it, it's so much better than just hearing from one person. It is just so much better, and I love that so much. And that's part of what makes us that weird little church that I am so happy to be a part of. And um, connect with us, please. As pastors, we covet your prayers. And we actually made a request to the elders, but I'm going to add to that request that Gabby, who uh, heads our prayer ministry, would also come and that we would take just a couple of minutes that the elders would pray over us. And you guys, I know that last week we talked about Gina, the president of our elder board. She is home from the hospital. She is in um, 
She is battling um, end-stage meta metastatic breast cancer, and yet she is a part of this community still. And she's going to be praying for us this morning from her couch or her bed or whatever, wherever she's got her computer open and is watching this on Facebook. So I just want to acknowledge that she is as much of a part of this prayer over us as the elders that are here. So I want to invite the three elders that are here to come forward. And Gabby. And we're going to receive. Take, take, my, take my mic, please. OBCF community, please join us as we pray for the pastors. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for this pastoral team. God, I want to thank you for them individually, for how they bring their own heart and their own spirit to this community and to everything that they do and everything that they pour out for us. And God, I want to thank you for them collectively, for the ways that they complement each other, for the ways that they challenge each other, and in doing so, more fully reflect your image and your vision than any of us could do alone. God, I thank you for the ways they pour themselves out, and I pray that you would be making places of rest for them, places of care for them, as they give so much that you would fill them up. Lord, we thank you. We're so grateful for them. As I was praying this morning, I um, was reminded of the scripture that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I want to pray that over these three, that in the midst of such tumultuous times and so much craziness, that, um, that they would experience incredible joy in you, that um, their roots would go down deep, that at the end of this year, they would look back with gratitude for the strengthening of their inner person. And I also pray that you'd give them discernment, that with all the things that can look like weeds and flowers, and that, that they would see the flowers amidst the weeds, that you would give them hearts that um, see what you're doing and call forth the things that are beautiful. Uh, God, my prayer is uh, threefold this morning. Uh, I pray that you would give uh, our lead team, our pastors here, uh, the strength and ability to execute this vision that they so lovingly crafted, uh, that you would reinforce their character so that they may lead all of us by example uh, and give them the stamina and willpower that is required so that they would continue to relentlessly pursue our community with love. Lord Jesus, you are high and lifted up. <laughs> you, your holiness and your power are immeasurable, Lord. And yet you are humble beyond description, Lord. You are humble and lowly. And Lord, I just, we just thank you for this 
team that reflects that, Lord. They are Imago Dei, Lord. They are walking humbly before you in fear and trembling, knowing that you are holy God. But yet, they have their ear to your heart, Lord Jesus. We pray, God, that they would clearly hear when they listen to others, they would clearly hear. They would clearly hear the longings, Lord, of their congregation, Lord, and the concerns, Lord. The littlest thing that we bring to you concerns you, Lord. Lord, would you give them wisdom, Lord, when they hear those things, Lord? Would you give them your heart when you, they hear those things, Lord? Would you create, um, increase their creativity in how to respond, Lord? Would you do that for LBCF as a congregation, Lord? Would you do that in all of us? We seal and we bless everything that you have shown them, Lord, every discussion that they have had, Lord, and will have in the this coming year, Father. Would you bless those discussions, Lord, with wisdom and compassion, with true holistic health, Lord God, that really does help, Lord, that really does restore and really does heal, God. Would you give us wisdom in the, as that, a community in those things? We bless everything you are doing in them. In Jesus' name.